Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Turn with me this morning to uh, Psalm 68. And then as we look at God's Word, I want to affirm the truth of God's Word to you today. Through a recent headline. You may or may not have picked this up, but um, off the east coast of our country this last week, there was a really interesting headline that popped into the news, and it was, Lobster Fisherman Swallowed by a Whale. Did you see this? Yeah. And, uh, you know, as the media outlets, you know, picked it up, you know, they were trying to maybe kind of downplay it a little bit. And, well, did he really get swallowed? Did he not get swallowed? And then the, the other fisherman on the lobster boat said, no, he got swallowed. We were there. <laughs> now, does that strike you as interesting? Because, you know, sometimes in God's Word we read things and and, and, and maybe within the, the logic of our own mind, we, we, we can't quite put two and two together. We don't know how it all worked. How does that exactly happen that way? Is it possible? And uh, when I read that, I was like, yeah, way to go, God. <laughs> you just reminded us that you can do anything. And you know what? Today, as we look at God's Word, we're reminded of the same thing. That we serve a God who can do all things. So as we look at Psalm 68, I'm just going to read the first six verses to you. And we'll unpack them in just a moment. But um, open your ears and your hearts to receive this today. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him who rides on the clouds. By His name, Yah. That's short for Yahweh there. And rejoice before Him a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious, they dwell in a dry land. And let's just take a moment to pray for God's blessing upon His Word today. Lord, the remaining time that we have, we dedicate back to You. We thank you that your word does not return void. We pray, Lord, that you would speak through it today. May our hearts be open, may our ears hear, and may we be built up in you. And we thank you for it now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, uh, as I was digging into this psalm, I I came across a story that illustrates its point. And it's, it's probably a story that's happening somewhere on the road today, because it's a story about um, a father who was on a vacation with his family. And uh, as he's traveling and trying to get to his destination, he 
comes to a place in the road where there is a large sign that reads, Road Closed, Do Not Enter. Now, some of you don't quite understand the dilemma that this creates, okay? And you've experienced this kind of moment. Because for the guy driving, he wants to get there as quickly as possible. And when he reads that sign, he begins to wonder some things like this. Well, maybe the work is already done and they just haven't taken the sign down yet. (laughs) So maybe we can go around this sign and still travel the road that we were planning and get to where we want to be on time. Don't look at me like I'm the only one who has ever had this experience. (laughs) Yeah. I know too many of your stories too well, okay? I remember a time when we were traveling back to Illinois. We were coming down through Wisconsin. I-90 was torn up right around Beloit. You had to get off I-90, go into Beloit. And instead of following the detour signs, I told, looked at Chris and I said, how hard could it be? All we got to do is go south. This was before fancy cars that had compasses in the rearview mirror and cell phones that had GPS and all of that. And we were halfway to Duran before I figured out we weren't going south. Right? We've all been there. Well, this dad who um, was confident that he'd be able to save some time by going around this sign, had a wife who was resistant to the idea. But still, he persisted. After a few miles of successful navigation, uh, he began to boast about his gift of discernment. But his proud smile was quickly replaced with humble sweat when the road led to a washed-out bridge. So he had to turn the car around, he had to retrace his steps, go back down the main road, and when he arrived at the original warning sign on the back side of it were large letters that said this, how did that work out for you? Now, Matthew is back there looking at my notes as he's putting the things up on screen. And he's like, that's not what the story really says because I put those words on there because the real words were this. Welcome back, stupid. (laughs) But I thought on Father's Day and where we don't encourage our kids to use those kind of words, I'll go with how did that work out for you? So the point is that sometimes... We have the utmost confidence in ourselves. We place undue confidence in our own ability to fix problems and to figure out the issues of life. And and when we do that, we ultimately find ourselves having to turn back around and go back. Because the reality is this. Your confidence is only as good as the object you place it in. And we are all lacking in some way at all times. But when we are going through life, the wise person does this. They place their confidence in the unchanging and all-powerful God. Because that is what keeps us off of the detours and on the main road. 
And that's precisely what David is reminding the nation of Israel in Psalm 68. You know, as we were reading that, some of you might have been thinking, where in the world is he going to go with this on Father's Day? God, arise, let your enemies be scattered. Let them be like, ma- like wax that melts in your presence. Lord, do away with them, overcome them, defeat them, and throw them to the wayside is basically what David is saying. And he is saying that because he is actually encouraging the people to look back at God's power and faithfulness in a trying time. In fact, that psalm opens with a battle hymn that comes out of Numbers chapter 10 that Moses used to encourage the people. So as David is reminding us of God's power, he's not leaving the thought right there. Because for some of you, you're like, you know what, this is like third grade Sunday school. God is all-powerful. We need to put our trust and our hope and our confidence in Him. But let's take it to the next step. Because in the battle hymn that Moses used to lead the people, he is not only reminding them of God's power, he is reminding them of what he does with his power. Because you see, God is not like a man. Where men politically and corporately, you know, they try to consolidate power. They gather power. They, 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 they hold on to it to, to serve their own purposes. But here is what God does with this power. He gives it to the powerless. He doesn't keep it. He gives it away that it might be at work in you and in me. So as we think about God and we think about His power and that there's no one like Him, we have to to look at Him like this. His power and His greatness is not only defined by His strength, but also in the fact that He is strong for us. Right? Isn't that what the Scriptures say? In our weakness... He is made strong. And there are some groups of people that he is particularly interested in giving his power away to. And we see kind of two categories here as we get into verses 5 and 6. The first group is this group. They're the vulnerable. It's the fatherless, he says. Verse 5, he is a father to the fatherless. Now this has special application for a day like today because some of you are coming from a past and a history where you did not have a father in your life. You were forced to figure some things out too early. You were kind of put into the, into the place where you had to either sink or swim, and because of that, you grew up very fast, and, and you look back and you say, man, I did the best that I could, but I certainly would do some things better. And now as, as you father your own children or you step into the father gap in somebody else's life, you, you kind of almost feel like there's this sense of weight and this sense of inadequacy. Because at an earthly level, you didn't receive what you needed. Be encouraged by the psalm today. He is a father to the fatherless. 
In other words, when there is something on earth that is absent, there is something divine that fills it up. And then those earthly skills and things that we did attain, He makes them better and He multiplies them. So here's the way that we need to look at fatherlessness. It is... um, not just defined by a living arrangement. You know, we oftentimes think of it that way uh, very quickly. But every dad in the room would tell you this we're not perfect. But here's the promise of the psalm the Lord fills the gaps. As dads, we do the best that we know how to do. But God's grace is powerful and sufficient to meet our needs. He's a father to the fatherless. Another group that are, that are vulnerable that David cites are the widows. The widows and the widowers. In verse 5, he says he is a defender of them. You may have walked your journey of life and found yourself in a position where things that you once relied on that were support to you are now gone. And it is a a significant uh, transition. And oftentimes a very difficult um, level of processing that has to take place. When I I talk to uh, widows and widowers, they, they oftentimes say something like this, even some of the most routine details of life are challenging because I'm having to look at them and manage them from beginning to end. And as David reminds us that God is all-powerful and He doesn't keep His power to Himself, but He gives it to those who are in need, He is dropping that right into the context of of a relational void that some of you may find yourself in. And he is saying this. He will protect you and defend you. Because that's who he is. So we have the group of vulnerable, but then we have the final one. It's the group of captives in verse 6. It says, he brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious, they dwell in a dry land. Jesus sets the captives free. It's a part of the way that he demonstrates his power. Life used to be defined by addiction, but now in Christ It's defined by freedom and self-control. Life used to be defined by dysfunction. But now, it's defined by grace and a God who can redeem and put things back together in such a way that it's better than I ever thought it could be. So He takes us and He he, he, he exercises His power over the things that want to control us. 
Now that is something that is um, very personal, very one-on-one. And we've all experienced that. God at work directly in our lives. But, but David takes that and he expands the context. And it answers this question, how, how do the vulnerable and the captives receive his power? One of the ways that, that question is answered is this, he puts us in a family. Verse 6, God sets the solitary in families. Community and relationships serve as the conduit for God's power. See, Christ manifests His power through us. He ministers to us directly, but then He ministers to us through the community of faith where He puts us. And as we think about family, we think about this kind of family. We think about nuclear and blended. So those are the families that we, we grow up in. It's what we're familiar with. It's a story that we all share. And, and dads, today we just affirm your position in those circles. We honor you. And we place our focus and our attention on the importance of who you are. So I get frustrated at the direction that our society is going in relation to fathers. Because we've moved beyond entertainment and conversation in our culture that used to be like the Andy Griffith show and Leave It to Beaver where dad was esteemed and he was a provider and he was a protector. He supported his family and filled that space to a place where when we look at forms of entertainment now, you know, we see Homer Simpson and Family Guy where dad is a guy that can't hold a job and he's a buffoon and he's made fun of and he's mocked and he's, and he's ridiculed. And when the Scriptures say that he puts us in a family, there is a kingdom model. And dads, you play an important role. We recognize your value. We recognize your sacrifices today. And we remind you of your generational influence. And you, um, you fill that role in the lives of blood and children. But you also fill it in the role of those who have a void that you've decided to fill. And I'm holding back some emotion right now because... It's a very real reality for me. 
I had many, many men in my life who came alongside and produced an example for me to follow. And I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, without them, I would be in a different place. And first and foremost was a stepfather. The data that's out there for families that are blended is scary. For moms who are raising kids alone, it's scary. And I'm not going to share it with you because I don't want it to be the point. My point is this. Man, you fill that gap. And as I was writing my notes this week, I was holding back tears because I wasn't one of the statistics. Because of a stepfather who made it a priority to be in God's house, who sacrificed, who provided a covering for a home that was a healing place. And he is at the front of the line and many, many others did the same thing. God sets the solitary in families. James Dobson put it this way. He said, fathers are not born, they are made. They are made. And that's such good news for all of us today. Because it doesn't matter how you start. Really, what matters is what you're pursuing. And every good father needs a model. And dads, I want to remind every one of you this morning that in our Heavenly Father, you have a model to follow that can change everything. two things that come to mind that we are to model with our children and those that, that, that we stand in the gap for is this. Our Heavenly Father loves His children. So dads, I just tell you today, granddads, I tell you today, men, men who are investing in the lives of people, lead with love. the model of our Heavenly Father is He didn't wait for us to rise to an expectation or to meet a standard, but you know, 1 John 4.19 says this, He first loved us. Lead with love. And then men, our Heavenly Father, He encourages His children. You know, we just kind of, we see these interactions throughout the scripture. We have Moses at the burning bush, 
Incredible encounter with God. Forty years in Midian. Feeling like a failure because he kills the Egyptians. He's got to run away. How am I supposed to live up to what you've called me to, Lord? I'm on the backside of the desert hiding. God meets him in a burning bush. Begins to set the stage for him to be released into the next season of his life. And then Moses starts to say things like, you know what, I don't talk very well. What does God the Father do? He encourages him. Hey, I know that. I'm going to give you Aaron. Joshua takes Moses' place. He's going to enter, help the people enter into the promised land, cross over the River Jordan, begin to drive out the, uh, the foreign gods and the nations who worship them to fulfill the promise. Joshua 1 8, great scripture of encouragement. So, dads, grandfathers, men, Our Heavenly Father encourages His children. So here's your default setting. More encouragement than criticism. And the kind of criticism I'm talking about is the constructive type. Not the tearing down type. He sets the solitary in families. Dads, we have a role to play. And know this, your kids, whether they're natural or they're spiritual, they don't expect us to be perfect. But they do look to us to provide an example that they can follow. I'm going to pass the baton to Eric. So Eric, would you come? And he's going to round out this Father's Day message. And then, dads, we're going to bless you at the end of the service. So open your hearts. All right. Thanks, Jared. Um, it's a great image of just the different characteristics of God about how he fills us with his strength and who he provides for. And just knowing that we're part of his family, I think, is just something we can all take away from today. Um, but first of all, I just, you know, kind of what got on my heart too is I just wanted to say thank you to all the fathers in the room um, and just happy Father's Day to you. Because as a father now of 12 years, um, it's just, there's, it's such an honor and it's a privilege, but it's also a great responsibility to be a father. And one of the identities that we fill and one of the roles that we fill is to really influence those within our own families. And maybe for some who haven't had children, you've been a spiritual father or a mentor or a coach type figure that has really fathered in a sense those like Jared was talking about, the widow or the captive. Um, and so God places us in these contexts where we provide leadership and influence to those around us. And so I just want to affirm what Jared has already said is just your role, your influence and impact within your children's life is so meaningful and so important. I mean, I look at the role of my father. I was one that was fortunate and blessed to have a great father. And I just, I'm so thankful for how he modeled it and just demonstrated to me what it was to be a man um, and how to see that. And so again, it's in those hours when you're within your home playing with your children, maybe in the backyard. Not the world doesn't take notice, but your children do take notice. And it, it leaves a huge imprint on their heart. And so I just want to encourage you, fathers. Maybe some of you are, are maybe buried in, in guilt or shame. Maybe you have a prodigal child who's gone off and it's weighing heavy on your heart to where you feel like that's part of a, that's on you or that's your responsibility. 
but God is just simply working in your heart. It's not, it's not shame, it's not guilt that you have to carry, but it's just something that God will come alongside you and um, you may not understand it right now, but God in the future is going to give meaning and he's going to provide wisdom and he's going to provide everything that you need in that moment. So just wanted to encourage you as a father um, that, that you have significance. And so this morning um, I was up early and I was just reflecting. And during worship, uh, I was just encouraged this morning about when she mentioned the stones. Because one of the things and practices that I've done is uh, in a journal, and one day I've always hoped to kind of make this a collage of these different stones that I've celebrated, that I, places in my life where I've seen God come through. So I've got all these places where I just practice gratitude and appreciation of these are the places that I've seen God at work in my life, and I celebrate them, and I honor them because they're significant. And on the hard days, the dark days, I pull these things out, and I just read through them, and I just begin to thank God to change my heart if I'm bitter, to change my heart if I'm offended. But yet, God, you've given me these things and I can honor you. I can bring glory to you because you're shaping me through these experiences. And I was thinking this morning about those times and just uh, as a child with my father being out with me playing catch or playing a game of horse in the driveway or being on vacation with him and just seeing how much he was at every single one of my games and how much he loved me. It just gave me such a great example and a great foundation for my life. And then I began to just simply think about over the last 12 years, the experiences that I've had with my own children and celebrating them and thinking about, I've got two boys who maybe are going to be fathers someday and began to just dream and think and pray over their lives about the fathers that they'll become. And so again, it's just these memories of being able to reflect. And a lot of times in Father's Day, I, I mean, I ask you guys to raise your hands, but how many of you guys have ever had the question of what do you want for Father's Day? typical question you get from your kids or, you know, from other people. And I'm always just kind of like, you know, it's not about really getting anything, but, you know, it, I will say this, it would have, wouldn't it be nice, dads, if we just got a manual on fathering? <laughs> and it was just kind of like, here's your manual, here's how you do it, and where everything that comes up, you just could go to that manual and you could have a solution. Well, God provides that for us, but a lot of times, too, it's in the times where things don't go as expected that really God shapes who we are, and he begins to shape our character. And I was just thinking back to a time when our third child was born this morning, and I was talking to Michelle before I left about this. This was a time where, you know, our first child, it was a very long labor. Our second one was, I would say, fairly normal. And our third one, if you know our youngest, Calvin, he's six right now. He's just go, go, go type of a, of a kid. And so we had a plan that night that I know Michelle was going to go into the hospital and be induced at 6 a.m. And so I, had, at the time, was working with youth, and I had had one of our leaders who was going to come at 5.30 so that we could get to the hospital at 6, and, you know, we'd have our procedure. Well, that night, Michelle starts having contractions, and it's like, okay, I think this child is ready to come. And uh, so earlier that morning, we had gotten a call from the hospital saying that they're not taking any more patients in to do inductions because they were full and they were backed up. And so I had texted our leader saying, we don't need you to come anymore because Michelle's not going to be able to go to the hospital. So about an hour and a half had passed and Michelle come finds me and she's like, we got to go. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've called my leader. I told him they don't need to come. So I'm trying to get a hold of our leader again and I can't get a hold of her. She's not answering her phone. There's no answer in the text. And I'm like, 
Our parents lived 13 hours away at the time because we lived in Colorado. And so I'm just kind of like, I'm calling my parents that have helped me in some of the groups in the high schools and I can't find anybody. And so I'm like, oh God, can you just please somehow allow this uh, leader of mine to just be able to get this text? And so she finally replies and says, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I turned my phone back to silence. So she gets to our house and we're on the road. Well, in order to get to the hospital where we were going, we had to get on the freeway and it's like 7 a.m. or no, about 6 a.m. in the morning, which is rush hour on this freeway. And I'm just praying, God, please get us there because I think we're going to have this child on the roadside. And it's just one of those moments where I think Michelle was more nervous for me because I'm just like, I don't want to have to deliver this baby on the side of a road. Get us to the hospital. And so we, find, we, we got there, and surprisingly, the traffic was moving that morning, and God provided a way for us to get there. And we pulled up, and they bring a wheelchair out. And within 10 minutes of us being there, not even five minutes of being in the room, here's Calvin, and he's entered the world. <laughs> and it was kind of a prophetic sign, because that's just Calvin. Like, he's, when he's here, he's present, he's ready to go, and his engine just never stops. And he was just, I always say, he's our one child that was just so anxious to get into the world. And so it was just one of those times, though, in life where it didn't go as expected, but that's really what being a father is. Because I think so many times as a father, we have this plan and this vision of how we see life going, and then all of a sudden, all this stuff starts to happen around us, and we lose sight of our identity. We lose sight of who God's created us to be. And, and, and a lot, for a lot of us, it's kind of like, here's this picture of a dad that I want to be, but yet I don't feel like I'm fulfilling it, or I don't feel like I have met the requirements. And for me, I was fortunate enough to, you know, be able to have a dad who began to show me how to navigate all these different things and all these different obstacles that came up in life. And so for me, I had the example of a, of a physical father who was beginning to show me that. But also I was just very grateful over the course of my life to have um, fathers in the community who, who really demonstrated this well, that were provided examples for me and my friends growing up of what a father needs to be. And they were around, they were present. And so that was really important. But the most important thing for me was seeing my dad be in the word of God and bringing us to church and having the spiritual family that Pastor Jared was talking about. Because every Sunday, every Wednesday, I had a youth group, I had a church that really just loved me well. And it was through these men that began to pour into me and they began to speak to the gifts that were inside of me that I'm just so thankful for. And it was coming through reading his word, through prayer, through going to Bible studies, through going to youth camps, that really God began to show me himself, his heart and who he was in my life and who he wanted to be and who he was calling me to be. And so I was thankful for that. And so this morning, um, I, I just wanna share three scriptures that really have been crucial in my life. And I was thinking that I was kind of been asked to share this morning about you know, what are the things that have really shaped me as a father, as a husband, as a man? And I just kind of wanted to encourage you, you know, with these. And recently I heard a, a teacher um, kind of describe it this way, is when we get into the Word of God, it's often like, you know, a child getting cotton candy. How many of you guys like cotton candy when you were little? Well, as you know, if you ever saw cotton candy made, it kind of wraps around this thing as it spins, and the more and more gets on it. And he's like, that's really what happens when we get into the Word of God, and we get in in front of the face of God. 
is that it just kind of wraps itself around us and it gets inside of us. And the more you're around it, the more it kind of just wraps, yourself, wraps itself around you. And that's really what his nature and what his word does as we get into it. And so I just wanted to encourage you with these three scriptures. The first one is from James chapter 1. And again, before we read this, the verses before this, I just wanted to share three characteristics. And I want to kind of speak to the men because I think so many times society paints a different picture than what we hear James saying here. He says, first, to be quick to hear and slow to speak. We live in a society today where everything is just kind of blurted out. And if you have an opinion, just get it out there, as opposed to listening. I mean, I've had many men in my life that have demonstrated this well, where it's like before they speak, they're going to take it and they're going to pray about it, they're going to meditate on it. And it's kind of like they just have this well-informed sense of wisdom and love that comes out of them. And so first, James is just saying, you know, be quick to hear and slow to speak. How many times when we're interacting with our children, you know, do we just, you know, speak to them without having given it thought? So it's just quick to hear. God, what do you have to say? I'm seeing this in this particular child. God, help me to understand their heart. Help me to understand when this sibling is getting angry with this sibling, what's really going on. Give me your eyes. Give me your ears. Being slow to speak, but quick to listen. And then he goes on to say, be slow to anger. Because anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. In his men, anger is one of these default settings a lot of times. <laughs> How many times as a father are you getting ready to go out the door and it's like, man, I've got to prepare 20 minutes ahead of time because I know I'm going to have to repeat myself eight times. And it's the sixth time when you're repeating it to your child. Can you please just get your shoes on? And all of a sudden, anger starts to kind of build inside. And the next thing you know, you've kind of snapped and you've maybe shared a hurtful word that's really wounded their heart. But it's, it's, it's slow to anger. And how do we do that? It's by seeing God in the way he interacts with us. Because we're never at a place to where he's not going to be gentle. He's not going to be good. He's not going to be peaceful with us. His nature is to come alongside of you no matter where you're at and to be a father. And he's going to validate you. He's going to affirm you in where you're at. And he's going to just simply love and demonstrate his character for you. And then he says, in meekness, receive the implanted word. So again, meekness is often, you know, defined as power under control. And to children, their father demonstrates that. You know, it's a, it's a guy that's got a lot of power, but yet he harnesses it and he channels it in a way that's going to build up and encourage. And so those are the kind of the three qualifications he gives. And then I'm just going to read this. And then James goes on to say, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And the reason that this has been so significant in my life, again, it's just that concept of looking in the mirror. And what is the mirror? There's, there's three other places I can think of in Scripture where it talks about this image of a mirror. And it's looking into the Word of God. 
to see God's face looking back at us. And it's his word that begins to define us because how many times as a man will society tell us what we're supposed to be and what we're not supposed to be? And that's where we get our sense of identity. But it's by coming to the word of God, it's by coming and approaching him and saying, God, how do you define me? It's how do I have your character and carry your character into the world around me? And again, there, there's a lot of things I could go into here because a lot of times if we're looking in a mirror and we don't look intently or we just look and we turn away and we walk into the world without fully giving God the permission to change us, to convict us, to challenge us, and to teach us by looking into his word, we often forget and we get the same behaviors, the same patterns that we often don't want to be that come back, but it's by intently looking into his word and letting it begin to change us and having a soft heart to receive what his word is really wanting to say to us. And the second scripture I want to share is just 2 Peter, verse one, or, uh, 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 4. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And I just want you to pause there. How many of you could just use grace and peace today? Think about that. Peace as a father. When we're interacting with our children, when we're walking into a home, when things get heated with a spouse, when we're at work, you know that God's peace lives internally and in your heart. And just by walking into a room, if we carry God's peace, the whole atmosphere will change. I love that image. Being in front of your child who's upset, who's had something awful happen, and just by dad entering the room carrying God's peace, you can help them be peaceful, and you can help them get back to a state of normal just by bringing God's peace into it. But it's allowing God's peace to first be in your heart. In grace, God gives us grace. I heard a definition of grace once as God's empowering presence to become something that you can't become on your own. And I love that definition, God's grace given to us, his nature, his character, to become something. It's, a, it's a, his presence that empowers us to become something that we're not. Because again, as a father, sometimes I think we get so stuck and caught in these places of everything that we're not, the failures, the weaknesses, the gaps that we have as a father. But how many men do we surround ourselves with that says, you know what? Like, here are my gaps. Can you help me? Can you demonstrate these areas in which I have a weakness? And it's allowing ourselves to grow, to be stretched, and becoming more like Christ in those situations. And then I love this verse 3. He says, it's his divine power that has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Again, I want you to hear this today as a father, that if you have Jesus in your heart, you have access to his divine nature. And as I came in this morning, I was talking to Ann Campbell, and she just reminded me simply that we have escaped the corruption that is in the world. 
because of God's divine nature that lives within us. And as a father, I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give is to really demonstrate God's heart and his nature to our children. And when we do that, it activates something in their, our children's life. And it activates something that is creative, that brings life, that is joyful. So we have the power to really unlock that in future generations to come through coaching, through mentoring, through loving. And these are the next verses he goes into, but this is a great list of, of fatherly characteristics. He talks about through faith, supplement your faith with these characteristics, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And I love that when you look at the life of Jesus throughout the New Testament and the apostles, you begin to see these same characteristics that are in God himself. And when we demonstrate these things, the next verses go on to say, when you demonstrate and you practice these characteristics, you cannot fall. And as a father, sometimes it's hard to get back up when we've made mistakes. But it's by relying on this promise that what Jesus Christ has done, what he enables in us, is the power to not be defeated. It's not a guarantee that you won't fall. It's not a guarantee that you won't have hardships. But it's in knowing that you have a God who's going to walk through with you and give you solutions and help you overcome and help you recover from the mistakes, from the wounds, from the hurts. But he's a loving father who's going to care for that. And the last thing I wanted to share really quick is Romans 8, verses 13 through 15. And this has been a, one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. And I love what God reveals. And I would just encourage you to just read chapter 8 and just to let God's truth begin to come alive in your heart. But it says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And again, can we just go back to 13? I just want to highlight one thing in that verse. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So again, it's allowing his spirit to lead you and to be led by his spirit that is going to lead you into a place of life. And then the next verse, if we can go to 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And again, it's this idea of being adopted into his family and becoming a son of God. That, to me, is one of the greatest honors and privileges, knowing that as I've called on the name of Jesus, we sang about it this morning, no greater name, we become sons of God. And then uh, this, this, this concept of crying out, Abba, Father. It's a term of endearment. It's one of the deepest forms of intimacy that we can personally cry out with to God, calling him Abba, calling him Father. And so this morning, I think we're going to give you a chance is to, maybe you've never done that with Christ. Maybe you're at a place where you're in a valley or a, a low place, but just to cry out because he's here. He's present with you. 
The greatest joy I believe that enters his heart is when we make that declaration and we begin to give voice to it, crying out to him, Abba, Father. And it's not one of those things where we just kind of simply come before him and say, Abba, Father. I imagine Paul writing this, maybe on his knees, just saying, Father, calling out in the deepest voice from within, Abba, Father, and being answered by a loving God. And so that's what I just want to encourage you with this morning is maybe just take time to read through those scriptures again. But again, fathers, I just want to encourage you so much. And as we were worshiping today, before I pass it, I'm going to ask Jerry to come back up and kind of close us so we can bless you. But as we were worshiping this morning, something just really hit me. I said earlier that I've got two boys. And as we were worshiping, it was like God was just showing me images of them becoming fathers. And I just got this image of a jar of clay being formed. And as a father, sometimes I think it's really hard as we try to form ourselves and we don't want a lot of other people and voices to begin to form us. But I would just encourage you this simply this morning as a man. Let your heart be like a jar of clay being formed in the hands of a father. And just let his arms and his hands come around you and give shape to your life. And I think if you're willing to do that this morning, the Spirit of God is going to activate some things. He's going to empower some things. And he's going to begin to walk with you in a way where it's just going to unlock joy. Because life with God is one of the most incredible things. And it's one of the greatest gifts that we have. So as we get life from God, we're then positioned to give life to those around us. So Jared, would you just come up and just kind of close our time? I want to just invite you all to stand. We're going to close by uh, blessing uh, the men today and, uh, you know, recognizing the, uh, the vital importance that they are. You know, we, he puts the solitary in a family, right? And that's the family that we live with, but it's also a family of faith. And we're a community of faith. And um, we have... Uh, influence and uh, things that we provide to one another that build us up and strengthen us. So I'm going to do something uh, that we've never done before, but don't be worried. And um, I'll explain the reason why we're doing it this way, and I think it'll be clear. But I want to begin by just inviting all the men in the room to come forward to the altar. All the men. I came across a story uh, this, this week, and I wrestled back and forth on whether to, to share it or not because, you know, there were some things that were, you know, maybe more fiction than, than fact and so on and so forth and some debate over it. So I'm just kind of taking this story and I'm putting it in the category of a parable and uh, because it communicates some really good truth. They, um, there's a, a nomadic tribe in Africa and when someone in this small tribe is expecting a child, they send her out into a secluded place with two or three other women with this purpose. To listen for the heartbeat of the child. So they care for her. Over time, the heartbeat emerges. And as they listen to the heartbeat, 
they form a song. And that song is unique to that child. So here's the power of that, that process. When that child um, reaches milestones, they, they graduate from high school, they enter into adulthood, they get married, the practice is that they put that child in the center of uh, the tribe and all of the tribe sings that child's song over them because it's unique to that, that individual based upon their heartbeat. And then if that child, as they're growing up, actually maybe starts making some poor choices, they put that child in the center. And the community, the men and the women and the elders, they sing that song over the child to not only remind them that they are unique, but that they have an identity that they have strayed from. And we have an identity as men that is rooted in Christ, that is of vital importance for our families, for our congregation, and for every context that you find yourself. So we're going to conclude by praying a prayer of blessing over the men and ladies. I'm going to have you um, just pray from the pew and stretch your arms out to the men. And just pray for God to bless them and to fill them and to strengthen them and to encourage them. So just let the Lord begin to lead your heart. And men, you just begin to just receive. Because you know what? You sacrifice and you give constantly. So just put yourself in a, a position to receive blessings. And now, ladies, we're going we're gonna to just speak a word over the men right now that is in line with the story I just told you. And I'm going to give you a phrase, and I want you to finish it. And that phrase is going to be this. Men, you are. And then as, as, as the Lord just gives you a word, you, know, you, might, you might just fill it with the word like, men, you are loved, whatever it might be. And men, I just want you to hear this. And ladies, I want you to be loud and I want you to be bold because you've just prayed for them. Now bless them verbally by completing this statement. Men, you are. Yeah. Keep going as you get it. pray right now for all of the men on this Father's Day. Lord, we pray that you would bless them. Pray that you would fill them. Lord, I pray for men who walk in love. I pray for men who are strong. I pray for men who are courageous. I pray for men of faith. I pray for men, Lord, who leave the past behind and move into the future that you have. 
And Lord, I just ask that you'd fill them. You would encourage them. May this be a day, Lord, that is unlike any other due to its significance. And I pray, Lord God, that as they leave this place today, may they know that not only their families love them, Lord, but their church family loves them and is thankful for them. And we give you the glory and the honor. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Thank you for joining us on our live stream today. Our hope is that you will discover life in Christ. If you have a prayer need, please take time to fill out a connection card from our website, or you may also send an email to prayer at rockchurch.net, and one of our pastors will follow up with you as soon as possible. For more information about our church, please visit our website at rockchurch.net. We hope to see you in person for one of our live services on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. God bless you today.